0: story 8 of the lute of cities by arnold bennett this Liverbox recording is in the public domain story 8 a dinner at the louvre the real name of this renowned west end restaurant is not the louvre i have christened it so because the title seems to me to suit it very nicely and because a certain disguise is essential the proprietors of louvre it belongs to an esteemed firm of caterers would decidedly object to the coupling of the name of their principal establishment with an affair so curious and disconcerting as that which i am about to relate and their objection would be perfectly justifiable nevertheless the following story is a true one and the details of it are familiar to at least half a dozen persons whose business it is for one reason or another to keep an eye upon that world of crime and pleasure which is bounded on the east by bow street and on the left by hyde park corner it was on an evening in the last week in may that i asked rosy marden to dine with me at the Louvre. I selected the Louvre, well knowing that from some mysterious cause all popular actresses prefer the Louvre to other restaurants, although the quality of the food there is not always impeccable. I am not in the habit of inviting the favourites of the stage to dinner, especially favourites who enjoy a salary of £75 a week, as Rosie Marden did and does. But in the present case I had a particular object in view rosie marden was taking the chief feminine role in my new light comedy then in active rehearsal at the alcazar theatre in shaftesbury avenue we had almost quarrelled over her interpretation of the big scene in the second act which differed materially from my own idea of how the scene ought to go diplomacy was necessary i prided myself on my powers as a diplomatist i knew that if i could chat with miss rosy in the privacy of a table for two at a public restaurant there is no privacy more discreet i could convert her to my opinions on that second act have you engaged a table upstairs was her first inquiry as with the assistance of a stout and gorgeous official i helped her to alight from her brougham at the portico of the house she looked lovely and half the street was envying me but unfortunately rosy's looks have nothing to do with the tale let me therefore dismiss them as a dangerous topic no i said but i expect there'll be plenty of room plenty of room she exclaimed with a charming scorn and a glance which said this young man really has a great deal to learn about the art of entertaining ladies at the louvre i admit that i had oh yes i insisted with bravado plenty ask the booking clerk she commanded and with all her inimitable grace she sank like a fatigued sylph into one of the easy-chairs that furnished the entrance hall and drew her cloak round her shoulders The booking-clerk, in faultless evening dress, with a formidable silver chain encircling his neck, stood at the foot of the grand staircase, which was very grand. The booking-clerk politely but coldly informed me that he had not a table upstairs. He said that every table had been booked since a quarter to seven. "'Well, I suppose we must be content with downstairs, but I much prefer the balcony,' said Rosie when I told her, and Rosie was obviously cross.' My dinner was beginning ominously. I returned to the booking-clerk, who was then good enough to tell me that he had no table downstairs either. I felt rather an ass, but I never permit my asininity to go too far. I assumed an attitude of martial decision, and ordered one of the pages to get me a hansom. "'We will dine at the Savoy,' I said very loud. Every official in the neighbourhood heard me rosie smiled whether at the prospect of the savoy or at my superb indignation i know not just as we were emerging into the street the booking clerk his silver chain clinking touched me on the shoulder i can let you have a table upstairs now sir said he a party that engaged one has not arrived "'I thought they wouldn't let us run away to the Savoy,' I remarked to Rosé voce and with satisfaction. I had triumphed, and the pretty creature was a witness of my triumph. "'What name, sir?' asked the clerk. "'John Delph,' I replied. His gesture showed that he recognized that name, and this pleased me too. Had not my first farcical comedy run a hundred and sixty nights at the Alcazar?' it was only proper that my reputation should have reached even the clerks of restaurants another official recognized miss Rosie's much photographed face and we passed up the staircase with considerable eclat you manage that rather well said miss Rosie, dimpling with satisfaction as we sat down in the balcony of the grand hall of the louvre the dinner was not beginning so ominously after all i narrate these preliminary incidents to show how large a part is played by pure chance in the gravest events of our lives i ordered the ten and sixpenny dinner who could offer to the unique rose marden a five shilling or a seven and sixpenny repast when one at half a guinea was to be obtained not i the meal started with anchovies which rosie said she adored she also adored nougat, creme de month, and other pagan gods. As Rosie put the first bit of anchovy into her adorable mouth, the yellow Hungarian band at the other end of the crowded hall struck up the Ragoski march, and the whole place was filled with clamor. Why people insist on deafening music as an accompaniment to the business of eating I cannot imagine. Personally, I like to eat in peace and quietude but I fear I am an exception. Rosie's eyes sparkled with pleasure at the sound of the band, and I judged the moment opportune to ascertain her wishes on the subject of wine. She stated them in her own imperious way, and I signalled to the waiter. Now I had precisely noticed, or I fancied I noticed, an extraordinary obsequiousness in this waiter, an obsequiousness surpassing the usual obsequiousness of waiters i object to it and my attitude of antagonism naturally served to intensify it what's the matter with the fellow i said to Rosie after i had ordered the wine he's very good-looking isn't he was her only reply as she gazed absently at the floor below us crowded with elegant diners and the waiter was indeed somewhat handsome a light-haired man and like all the waiters at the louvre a foreigner with a deficient knowledge of english i expect he's lost on his bets to-day Rosie added they all bet you know and he's after a rousing tip to make up oh is that it i said wondering at the pretty creature's knowledge of the world and then i began to talk about my play in my best diplomatic manner inwardly chafing at the interruption of that weird yellow hungarian orchestra with which bitter irony had hung over the railings of its stand a placard bearing the words by desire the meal proceeded brilliantly my diplomacy was a success the champagne was a success we arrived at the sorbet that i see in sweet product which in these days of enormous repast is placed halfway through the meal in order to renew one's appetite for the second half your modern chef is the cruel tyrant of the stomach and shows no mercy The fair-haired waiter's hand distinctly trembled as he served the sorbets. I looked at mine for some moments, hesitating whether or not to venture upon it. I am a martyr to indigestion. "'It's delicious,' said Rosie. "'More delicious than the second act of your partner's.' "'Then I must risk it,' I replied, and plunged the spoon into the half-frozen greenish mass.' As I did so, I caught sight of our waiter, who was leaning against the service-table at the corner of the balcony. His face was as white as a sheet. I thought he must be ill, and I felt sorry for him. However, I began to swallow the sorbet, and the sorbet was, in truth, rather choice. Presently, our waiter clutched at the sleeve of another waiter who was passing, and whispered a few words in his ear. The second waiter turned to look at me and replied, then our waiter almost ran towards our table excuse me sir he murmured indistinctly rolling the arm are you not count vandernoff i am not i replied briefly he hesitated his hand wavered towards the sorbet but he withdrew it and departed mon dieu i heard him exclaim weakly under his breath possibly he's been taking me for an aristocratic compatriot of his own i said to rosie and that explains the obsequiousness You were wrong about the bedding. I laughed, but I felt ill at ease, and to cover my self-consciousness, I went on eating the sorbet very slowly. I must have consumed nearly a third of it when I became conscious of a movement behind me. A mysterious hand shot out and snatched away the sorbet. Sir, I protested, looking round. A tall, youngish man in evening dress, but wearing his hat, stood on my left sir what in the name of your pardon answered the man in a low hurried voice i could not guess his nationality let me beg you to leave here at once and come with me i shall do no such thing i replied waiter call the manager but our waiter had disappeared it is a matter of life and death said the man to whom to you the man removed his hat and looked appealingly at miss Rosie. "'Don't. Let's have a scene in here,' said Rosie, with her worldly wisdom, and impelled by the utter seriousness of the man, we went out. I forgot the bill, and no one presented it. "'I solemnly ask you to take a little drive with me,' said the man, when we had reached the foyer. "'I have a carriage at the door.' "'Again? Why?' I demanded. He whispered, "'You are poisoned. I am saving your life. I rely on your discretion.' my spine turned chilly and i glanced at miss Rosie. i will come with you she said in five minutes we had driven to a large house in golden square we were ushered into a lavishly furnished drawing-room and we sat down Rosie's lips were set i admired her demeanour during those moments the man who said he was saving my life poured some liquid from a phial into a glass and handed it to me emetics are useless drink this in an hour you will feel the first symptoms of illness they may be severe though that is improbable since you ate only a portion of the stuff in any event they will not last to-morrow you will be perfectly well let me advise you to go to bed at once my carriage is at your service and the service of this lady he bowed i drank the antidote thanks for all these surprises i said coldly but does it not occur to you that some explanation is due to me he pondered a minute i will explain he replied it is your right i will explain in two words you have heard of count vandernof attached to the russian embassy in london you may have seen in the papers that the count has been appointed by the czar to be the new governor of helsingfors the finnish capital i nodded you are aware he continued suavely of the widespread persecutions in finland the taking away of the constitution the russianizing of all offices the censorship of the press this persecution has given rise to a secret society which i will call the friends of finnish freedom its methods are drastic count vandernoff was known to be violently antagonistic to finnish freedom he dines often at the louvre he had engaged a table for to-night the waiter in charge of that table was like myself a member of the society but unfortunately a rather a raw hand the count quite unexpectedly did not arrive at the louvre to-night the waiter however took you for the count the sorbet which i snatched out of your hand was uh, need i say more poisoned poisoned the affair was carefully arranged and only a pure accident could have upset it that accident occurred what was it the count's coupe was knocked over by an omnibus in piccadilly two hours ago and the count was killed there was a pause then he will never be governor of helsingfors i said heaven helps the right the man answered you english love freedom you cannot guess what we in finland have suffered let me repeat that i rely on your discretion We left, Miss Rosie and I, and the kind-hearted girl delivered me safely into the hands of my housekeeper. I was ill, but I soon recovered. A few days later I met Miss Rosie at rehearsal. Did you notice, she said to me with an awed air, our table was number 13 that night? End of Story 8 End of The Lute of Cities by Arnold Bennett